Yes. Okay. Okay. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. What time is it, Brian? It, it is, is five, 6 a.m. 6 a.m. So I woke up at 4.20 a.m., which I usually work, wake up at 5 a.m. Well, that's why I woke up at 4.20 a.m. Why you, did I wake you up? You were probably going... <gasps> no, I wasn't. I wasn't doing my breathing. Yeah. So I woke Brian up the other morning. Day before was it day before yeah, yesterday? Right. I was doing the Wim Hof method, which is a breathing thing that I do. We both do it every morning, but usually I wake up before you do. Yeah, I do it after I'm woken up. I, but I had my ear pods in, and I didn't realize I was breathing loudly. Yeah. And so that woke Brian up. So I've been trying to be really aware of not breathing loudly. So this morning I actually no, knew I did, you were already awake. Yeah, yeah. I think I naturally woke awake. up before. I haven't slept well for two weeks, but. Last night, I think I, I, I slept from 9 to 4.30, so. That's good. I've been, my sleep this week has been absolutely amazing. Oh, you mentioned the worst, but anyway, yeah. And I think it's because we went to Hotel Emma last weekend for our anniversary, and we got one of those black, you know, masks you put over your eyes. And I'm doing a lot of good things that would contribute to, to quality sleep, but I think our room is pretty bright because we live on a pretty bright street, and then we don't have blackout curtains, which we really need. But actually, I don't need them now with that thing to put over my face. But, um, oh my gosh, I'm dreaming like crazy. Do you think this too? I, I don't, I wouldn't consider this room very... Oh, this room is so bright. You think so? From yes. The, from out there? Yes. It's bright, not only from out there, but then um, we have a nightlight in the bathroom. Well, let's just take on that Google thing. Well, no, we can't take the nightlight down because... Just keep the doors closed. I wake up to go to the restroom at least once every night, and so do you. Right. But I don't like to walk into the bathroom and then turn on a full light. Do you know what I mean? So if I turn on a full light, then I like... It tricks my brain, so I like to walk into the subtle light. So maybe I'll try... I think I might have worn one last night. I wonder if I wore it. Do you know if I wore that last no, night? No, you won't. I don't know why I keep telling you to wear it. And you're no, like, I, I think nah. I, I think I did wear it last night. You're, well, I told you to wear it. Do you know if I wore that last night? Because I can't I remember. I don't know because you poo-pooed it when I said... When I, I think that suggested might, to I you to put it on. I think that's why I slept through the night. I think that's the first time I wore it all night. So you should listen to your wife more often. Yeah. Okay, and I wanted to mention our coffee mugs. Because we never mentioned this at Christmas time. Did we? No. So I had bought at a thrift store, Goodwill, my favorite thrift store that's here in San Antonio. I had gotten this really cool mug for Brian that I was pronouncing Horn C, and he pronounces it Horn Z. And I don't know what the correct, correct, what's the correct? Sandra Kaysen, tell us. Yeah, so it's, anyway, it's pottery from England. And it's really pretty. Anyway, so I bought one for Brian. And then for Christmas, he bought me one off of eBay. Or Neil. You could tell us, too. Oh, okay. But anyway, his is brown. Mine is green. They're very nice. And so we have kind of matching mugs. They're really... They're 70s-looking mugs. Yeah, they're they're 70s mugs. And I really like them. And so we're drinking... We had had a cup of coffee already. I kind of lost my taste for coffee recently. And so I've been drinking something called mud water. Yeah. And... uh, I was completely off coffee, but then because we went to Hotel Emma, I kind of got back on coffee again Um, because I didn't want to, you know, bring it with me or whatever and do that 
whole thing. But anyway, it's really yummy. It has mushrooms in it and turmeric and chai masala or turmeric. It's not bad, People I must say. People pronounce it differently. My second, I'm down to one cup a day now. Yeah. And uh, my second cup is mud water. And um, I'm surprised mm-hmm. I, I didn't think I'd like it. So, uh, last weekend. It's pretty good. Last weekend, we uh, we did have our 22nd anniversary. Yes. And we went to uh, Hotel Emma, which was a bit of a splurge. We'd saved up for it. If you're familiar with Dave Ramsey, that was our shout. I won't get into that. When you hit a certain baby step in your financial journey, you celebrate by shouting. So our shout lasted a whole weekend in a hotel. What he's talking about is when people do the Dave Ramsey method. Well, I don't want to get into it too much. When they but... get to a debt-free... When they become debt-free, they go on his show and they do a debt-free scream. Yeah. And um, oh, that, and Dave Ramsey okay. will have those people on YouTube or on his podcast and he will yeah, you know, celebrate the, it. The scream was late then. This was, So we'd actually got... Yeah, okay. So anyway, Brian, Brian was saying that we kind of did our scream yeah. by splurging yeah. uh, at Hotel Emma for our anniversary weekend. I was trying to say that subtly and I... I know, but I figured for people who oh, didn't really oh, know, yeah, yeah. they didn't have any context. I know, yeah. That I would put it into context so that they would understand. I was trying to be poetic, but I probably just confused everyone. Well, potentially. Right. It would have been confusing for some. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But it was a great splurge, and I loved... Well, we've always loved Hotel Emma, but then just being in one of the rooms and... And being, everything being in, is so nice it's lovely just being in the building and then having full access to the library is off limits yeah. I've been looking through that window for four years wanting to go in there and then of course yeah. you, you have the key card you can get in when you're a mem- mm-hmm. uh, guest and that was great I love being in there yeah I did too I love being in there you can get coffee in there all the time and they had these little muffins it was great and then around 2pm they roll in a cocktail cart so if you wanted to have a cocktail you are they could... free cocktails? I don't think so. Oh. They're not free. Yeah. Uh, the coffee's free, though. Yeah. But there's, you know, there's cookbooks in there. There are lots of art books. Basically, like, lots of really cool coffee table books. Yeah. And uh, history books. And then they have uh, the local newspapers in yeah. there. Um, so we were in there. We went in there both days to hang out. And then one day... We, we were in there and something really, really cool happened, which so, was like so kind of out of a movie. It, this girl up, this girl and a guy go upstairs and there's a, another girl. And they're looking around. And we're right under the staircase where they are. And she starts to hyperventilate. I thought something was wrong with her. Mm-hmm. And my first thought is, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with her. But then I realized she's joyful. And then I'm, then my yeah. second thought she's is... She's like cry, cry laughing. She's crying and laughing at the same time. And then my second thought is... Oh my gosh, that woman looked like she was in her 20s, but she's sounding like a... She sounds like an eight-year-old up there now. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And then? Well, and we were sitting directly beneath them because there's a staircases flanking us. Yeah. And they were standing on the landing directly above our heads. And I crawled... Right. And I peeked up because then we could start to hear what was going on. What he was saying. What he was saying. And he was proposing was to amazing. her, you yeah. guys. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and she was, I mean, she was just blown away. And the, and Brian was like, you know, he was Get pulling back me back <laughs> from like spying on them. But I, I was very discreet. And there were people like filming them from outside the library because they could see what was going on too. 
Well, I was um, worried the pictures were going to pick up you crawling on the floor. Oh, yeah, because the other girl that was with them, she was the photographer. Yeah. So she was capturing all of this, either on film or taking pictures. I'm not sure which. But um, anyway, then the girl starts going on and on about how gorgeous her ring was. Yeah. Is. And um, anyway, once the proposal was finished, then the guy, he was like directing his fiance. Yeah to where to stand and pose because he was having the photographer get all these images of the event. And the library is someplace that you would... From a film. You know, film a a movie. movie. Yeah, 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 I mean, it's just a beautiful library. It's a great place. Yeah. And and I could definitely see why he would have proposed. Oh, yeah. They were staying at the hotel that night, which she didn't know. Oh, wow, that's so cool. Because he said, we're staying here tonight. Now, I wonder if... They had stayed there before, yeah, or if they were like avid it. readers, or what? Yeah, significance the light if the library played. I mean, some... he totally got her off guard. It was great. Yeah, it was awesome. But her reaction well, was was really it was amazing. It felt like being in the presence of a room with a child being born. There was something about that. I know. It, yeah, it, like it was. It felt like a moment where it's like the temporal and the and the eternal kind of collide. Yeah, I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, it's like Jean. You, Jean Hess would have called it a holy moment. It was. Well, you know what else she would or have called? She? Oh, a thin place. A thin place. The, it's where the, the veil between us and the supernatural or the eternal, mm-hmm. that veil becomes very thin and you can almost see through it. It's those moments the Celts would call it that. Yeah. A thin place. Yeah, it was. Place. that's exactly what it was. It was a thin place. That's great. Yeah, well, it was just, yeah, it was lovely. And then they came downstairs and she said, uh, we said congratulations, they talked to us for a couple yeah. minutes and... I got to see her ring, which, by the way, was extraordinary. I mean, it was, I've never seen a ring ring like it. I think it was opals uh, set in like a really fine gold filigree. And um, it was very delicate. And just something that, you know, maybe like a princess or a queen would wear. Yeah. I don't know. It just, did you see it? I did it, it, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really I didn't like, I mean, it was very small. I like yours. I, I wasn't... Well, that's the precise point, I suppose. Oh, but I like mine too, but hers was... I liked yours more, but... Um, yeah, mine's too, too small, too. too small. It was just... I don't like those small Oh, ones. I liked it. It was different. It was different, yeah, It was yeah, very yeah. different. But it was, it was a really... Uh, she loved it. She was great. So that same... 12 hours earlier, I was sitting in that library at, from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. That was Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was beautiful. I mean, I couldn't sleep. I'm glad I went down there because it gave me more time at the hotel not being able to sleep. And then um, I went, I just walked around the whole hotel. There was people cleaning. Their cleaning staff are going at 3 a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. But just sitting in the library, it was quiet and talking to some staff. And then I walked outside and it was kind of, uh, it was foggy that the fog was coming in. And it was um, just beautiful. Right? Like January is probably could be our best weather here which is odd yeah it was nice it was just it was probably 60 degrees fahrenheit or 50 and and it was nice crisp so i walked all the way around the pearl district mm-hmm. at 2 a.m and and um really enjoyed that but the reason i was awake is because the night before we went to a new french place across the street called manchu chu yeah which we'd highly recommend yes and then we ordered um a french wine uh, well we we, we the, our friend picked for us and it was a french wine and then, um, and Clay- then uh, Clayton. Yeah, Clayton. Yeah. That's his name. Now, um, so then at that point, once we had the wine, it was more expensive than we'd normally order. And I've always, 
I'm always a California Cabernet guy. Not that I'm an expert. But then we, we, we started drinking. I was like, you know what? I don't like this. And this wasn't cheap. And, and I started... We should probably never, ever order bottles of wine. Because, right. Yeah. Because getting a glass of wine that you don't like is one thing. But then ordering a bottle of wine that you don't like. And I mean, it was better when we got the food. Yeah. It... Excuse me, but we're just not wine connoisseurs. We're not like a, that. Could have been a five dollar bottle of wine for me. Right. Well, it was a ninety dollar bottle right. of wine. And That's I what didn't... he ordered. But yeah. anyway, so so I, so then I'm kind of like in a I'm I'm kind of getting into a bad mood at that point. Can I say pissy mood? You were you were I called you bratty. Yeah. So Friday night. So that kind of started me off, and then we or we do what we always do instead of. Well, we, you had to set the scene. You didn't set the set scene. Set the scene then. Yeah. Okay. Friday was a gorgeous day. It was. It was beautiful. And Brian originally had our reservations at 7.30, which I hadn't eaten, and I really wanted to sit outside, so I suggested he move the reservation up. So he moved it up to 5.30 p.m. Yeah. So anyway, we went over to Manchuchu at probably, what, 5 p.m.? Yes. So we went over, and we're sitting at the bar. And this the reviews of this restaurant on Yelp, and also the people who designed it's owned by three Frenchmen. But basically, it is to be like being in Paris, like a brasserie in Paris. And um, people who go in there who visit Paris or from Paris say that it's exactly like being in Paris, except for there are fewer tables in the restaurant because of COVID. Um, so it is beautiful. You know, it's just really gorgeous. And so we're sitting at this beautiful bar we're the only people at the bar and clayton makes me a really cool cocktail called the paper plane yeah that was our second cocktail i will say so oh that's right because we'd already had had a margarita because you get a free cocktail yeah from hotel emma oh so we sat in the we sat in the main area like the sternworth yeah the the restaurant area probably one of the most spectacular rooms in the world not that i've been yeah it's a gorgeous room yeah and anyway, so there, and then to Manchuchu, and then after that, we set out on the patio to have our dinner. So the patio is interesting because it's a it's a narrow walkway between the boiler house, the old boiler house, yeah. and then where the French restaurant is. And it can, because it's narrow, um, it looks like there's more people going by because they're being yeah. narrowed through. So that definitely really added to that french feeling of a street like that yeah. that's the way that that spot is a perfect spot so when you sit outside and you have that foot traffic it's really yeah. really great yeah it was nice and it was beautiful and people were walking by with their dogs and with yeah. their babies and it was, great. it was lovely so we ordered the starter right yes did i pick the lobster bisque with the with the uh what do you call that i think you picked the lobster bisque what's the topping Puff pastry. Puff pastry. I picked that. And you picked... Well, no. What? See, this is where our disagreement was. Okay. Well, I did pick the salad yeah. with endive, blue cheese, and candied pecans, and a fig balsamic. Yeah. But in my mind, I'm thinking we are going to split these two. Right. I will split the salad, and we'll split the soup. Right. But then what happened? Like, Brian, obviously, he can't read my mind. Well, that normally works. But then as soon as I dug into the lobster bisque, it was so amazing that my second reaction was, I'm mad I can only eat half this now, and I have to eat that salad next. And I, and I just, that just got stuck in my claw. Not your claw. My craw? I think it's craw, Is not it? claw. Even craw. though it could get stuck in your claw. It could be stuck in your claw, craw. <laughs> I think it's craw. What's a craw? 
I think your throat. Oh, like your I always thought it was a, a version of a claw. No, no. I'm going to look it up. Well, that's okay. Anyway, so, but we've done that before. And the reason we do it is because we don't know what we're ordering. So we play it safe and we order half of each, right? Right. Well, don't, don't look it up now. That's distracting. Why? Well, I it doesn't matter. What it I mean, is. Well, someone else can look it up. Anyway, so um, we uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm you're looking at your phone, so you. I'm talking to myself now. No, you're not. Okay, so but it feels like I am because you're not looking at me. Okay, but I am. Did you find out? Can we just wait for this? Stick in one's craw. Yeah. To be so offensive or disagreeable that one cannot swallow no. it. Okay, so it is like the a craw, giz- the gizzard. Yeah. Okay, so. Um, like we've done that before because we're playing it safe, and and you it work it's fine it works every time but but this was so amazing that it's like the whole time I'm just bent out of shape that I have you to know, share it. You know you could have ordered another bowl. I should have ordered another bowl. It was I don't know what that that never crossed my mind. As soon as I ate it, I should have said, you know what, that salad's gonna be like every other salad you've had, but this what I have here before me, I should have said, Edward, please, and they probably had that Edward in the back. was our waiter. Go 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 get me another one, and. Um, but instead, I sat the whole time not enjoying it because I was upset well, that I had you, to let go of it. It's amazing how you let such a small thing. But it wasn't a small thing. But it, I mean, technically, it is a small thing, right? It is, but, but you admit it. It is. I think the primal part of me was just really, I, with, with the, because we'd had a few drinks. But there's that primal part. But it was. Yeah, you was a, you were a little bratty at that point. That I was. You were being. I bratty. just couldn't let it go. So I'm sure. I mean, it was immature, but. Uh, Anyway, if you go there, you have to order the lobster bisque. Do not share it with anyone. Yeah, it's That's really amazing. But we did go back on Sunday. We did, and we had our and own. And we had our own lobster bisque. That was great. Anyway, so there's that, and then, um, well, that, that was that, really. That was interesting. You know, it's funny, though. When we first got married or dating, we would order um, different things, right? And I would tend to play it safe and order the same thing I ordered before, but you would you would wander out and try other things. Yeah, and we'd we'd be eating there, and I'd eat mine, and then you would be eating yours, and I could tell your face. You'd look on your face, and um, and then you'd say, "How's yours?" And I mm-hmm. and I could tell what was coming, and I'd say, "It's great as usual," and you'd say, "Do you want to trade?" And I would be like, internally, be like, "You dug your grave. You should lie in it. You picked that, and you you ventured out, and I picked the safe one. So why should we trade?" But I would trade. I I thought that was very. I don't- you traded with me when we were yeah when we were well I was trying to go and get points yeah oh, okay. I would trade but then I was as we then we that kind of faded away yeah I think that was just in the then first few years of our marriage then, like I then we shared did we then we would share if you didn't like yours I didn't like mine but you, I think you I felt like you did that again over the weekend where you had that look on your face like I made a bad decision not with the salad no I made a bad decision see that's where we got ha- into the disagreement because yeah. I didn't the salad was not a bad decision no no what was the main meal. The main oh, meal, we had steak au poivre, and we had uh, branzino oh, and a amazing. caper brown oh, butter sauce, gosh. which was delicious. Most amazing Lemon brown fish butter. ever had in my life. And yeah, I, it was I amazing. I haven't had that many, so. But, um, yeah. okay, so. Okay, what are we, 60, 20 minutes now into talking about this. Is that okay? Anything else? Um, I mean, we could talk more about that, but I don't think that's. Yeah, uh, uh, art thing. Talk about your art thing, and then we'll get into our main topic. Oh, okay. So new stuff that happened in the past two weeks. I uh, post my art a lot on Instagram. And so I was, someone reached out to me from a design firm here in San Antonio. 
And so I have been asked to have my art in a design space, which is super cool because it's only for people who are designers. So when they go in there, they're hey, actually... Where's it going to be again? Where's the space? I forgot. Um, it's on Inner Park Boulevard. Where's that? I have no idea. Is it downtown or... No, probably no. not. It doesn't sound like... Okay, go ahead. But it doesn't matter because San Antonio is huge. Well, I was just curious if it was in like Southtown or something. No. Okay. No. Um... I'm trying to think, how did I get there? I'm sorry. So Anyway, it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, Apologies for derailing you. So your, your arts and the arts and this, this for designers only. and Right, because if you're a designer and you're walking into this space, you're basically walking in with the purchasing mentality. Right. But if you're walking into a gallery, a lot of people just go to galleries to see the art. They really don't go in to purchase yeah. anything. Right. So... I think it's a really great opportunity to have my art in a space where every single person who walks in there is walking in with the purchasing mentality. Yes. And um, they sell a lot of art. And she said they sell a lot of really colorful art, which is great for me because my art is very colorful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I was, very, I was very excited about that. And then that made me, like Paint. I had put... Well, I started a painting That's too. That's not what you're going to say, though. So go ahead. I exactly. finish your sentence. Um, then you started to. I know. Are you? Did you want to talk for me today? Well, no, I did. No, it's fine. Okay. What are we you gonna, sure? Yeah. What were we going to say? I was trying to help your What's, sentence. Why are you jumping in on my sentences? That's the first time I've done it. You just did it twice. It was the second one a joke. Twice on that same sentence? No, twice in the past minute. What, what was the first one? You were like giving me words. Like, do you not like how I'm talking? No, I don't remember the first. I just remember now. And you said, then I went to, and I said, paint. Right. You did that. And then you, you said, you like, jumped in again. When I see other couples correct each other, it bothers me. That We can talk about that right after this. Because yeah. that's a good thing to talk about, too. But then, but we probably do it all the time, but we're not aware of it. We probably do. But okay, I mean, finish your thought there. I'm assuming that we do. Finish your thought. So anyway, that's not what I was going to say. But I did start a painting. Yeah. But what I did, what I was going to say is that I had put my paintings on products. Yeah. On these couple different places. And I decided to pull all of that back and shut those stores down because I realized I feel like that cheapens my artwork. And I am only going to start selling originals and then sell my stuff, sell some prints, but only on my website. Yeah. I feel like you don't want me to that you're like want to move on and I did, you don't I, yeah, really no I did well it's just you not, don't really want to hear my story and what I'm saying because no, you want to say something else no and I, so you are no I'm anxious to get to the main topic so and I, I can see that in your face it's no, like I, you're, can I explain you look very impatient like just shut up no no <laughs> and let's move on to no, what's no, no, really I, I important we could make this the main topic it's just that <laughs> we I feel like I'm looking at the clock here and we've been 23 minutes in the preamble section you know you're not at work right now this I, isn't I a it. meeting I, I, this I'm is just like saying, just, just a podcast no but I'm thinking if I was listening to this podcast see where it goes I'd be like okay well where are we going and, and I'd be impatient I'd be okay you have a preamble that's allowed it's a, it's a bit long how do you know what anybody's thinking well I'm just because I'm, I listen to podcasts I know what it feels like I listen to podcasts too with huge preambles well, I guess my mind... And is... some podcasts are only preambles. Like, that's mm. basically what they are. Well, there's one podcast that preamble is just too long. And I'm, I'm like, come on, guys. 
Right, so, I know which one you're talking about. They do have a very long preamble. So, but anyway, so I'm trying to, I'm listening to you, but I should listen to you as your husband right now. And and that's, because when I right. go back and listen to the podcast, I get frustrated myself because I can hear myself. And I'm saying, you're not listening to her. I could tell by the way I am responding that I wasn't listening to you in that moment. And I think, I wish I could go back and listen. But now I'm doing it again. Where right, I'm listening and, I as could, a listener. and I know your faces. I know so how I, you look I, at me, I and I could tell that you were completely uninterested in what I was saying. Well, I'm I'm sorry. I I okay, that's fair. So okay, uh, let's. Can I? Do you understand what I'm saying though? That I was concerned about that the preamble was too long, and I was. But I didn't for... know we had rules. Can you give me the rules next time? Yeah, preamble and then main topic. Uh, well, how long would you like the preamble <laughs> to be, Brian? No, so mo- I know no next 20. time. <laughs> no, no more than twenty minutes. <laughs> Okay, well, now you look mad. Well, I don't think it's very no, nice okay. of you. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. To do that. Okay. okay, can you start over there? I do. I no, will I'm listen. not going back to my story because I don't really care anymore and I'm done. Finished, I mean. That's not okay. the way to use the word done. Okay, Brian. I'm sorry for looking impatient. Mr. Brian, would you like was to... I con- was I being controlling? You were being controlling. Okay, sorry. now... This brings up something that we had wanted to talk about, which yeah. is couples correcting one another in front of other people. Right, which we've apparently done, yeah. Right. Well, we were talking about me doing yeah. it to you. Right. We were talking about that night before last, which yeah. I have done. Yeah. Um, and then you just did it. Well, you didn't correct me. You were just looking. You were silently critiquing I was. me. I was you were you silently that, critiquing along. me. Yeah. And because I know you so well, I knew what was going on. Yeah. But when you're in the presence of a couple. Yeah. And one spouse corrects the other spouse, it is so uncomfortable. Right. It is. It's very uncomfortable. And I always feel bad for the spouse that's getting corrected. I do too. Yeah. And it's a yucky feeling. And I feel like that's something we need to weed out of our marriage. Yeah, I agree. And but how um, do you, do we even know why we're doing do we, it? Yeah, I think we do know we're doing you can see it. it. I can see it when other people do it. Oh my gosh, okay, it's a so horrible thing. I'm going to give two examples. Yes. No names. Right. That could have happened over the last 30 years. Yes. Go for it. I ask a question of the spouse. Yeah. It's typical of me. It's actually I'm actually hitting her with two questions at once. Yeah. Which is unfair. Yeah. She answers the second question first. Mm-hmm. Which ends up answering the first question. Yeah. The other, the husband goes... Uh, you did, uh, answer his first question first. So I go back and correct him. I'd say, it's okay. She answered the second question first, which answered right. the first question. Yeah. But I'm thinking, I'm not talking to you. Why right. are you correcting her? Right. But then it happened again where the the it, it, you know the, the spouse uh, corrected the other spouse in, in yeah. something around how, how the spouse was answering my question. Yeah. And here's the thing. I didn't really care. At one level, I'm just happy to be there enjoying your company. Yeah. I'm really not... I'm not. You're not critiquing. I'm not critiquing how you answer my questions. Yeah. Um. I'm not bothered by it, so you shouldn't be. Yeah. So that's what happens from the outside looking in at that. Yeah. Um, and then so so the two questions I have, if I may control this podcast, mm-hmm. how do you become self-aware of it within a marriage? And secondly, what do you do when another couple does it? Do you intervene? Ooh. Well, in my case, I just I. I don't think you should inter. I don't okay, think okay. I should intervene, or we should intervene when another couple does it. I think my intervention on the on the first example was probably the best way to do it. I it, think you did. Yeah, it's okay. She answered my question. In turn, yeah. it's like chill, pal. Well, I'm not gonna say that. It's yeah. okay. You know, just softly say it's okay. I, I don't yeah. care. 
Well, I know that I, the way that I've done it to you yeah. is that I notice in conversation what bothers me. Because yeah. I think, number one, we feel like we need to police our spouse and we want to make do. them look good. Or, or do we want to make oh, me? Do I want to, like, do I police you because I want to make you look good or me look good? That's or what both, we about. probably. We want to make at, me look good. Probably, like, what, kind of, what kind of dummy did I marry? Right. You know what I mean? Well, it's like if you say, because, like, sometimes you'll, someone will share something in the conversation. Yeah. And then you will ask them the question yeah. that has the answer that they already gave. I, this is no. Tell so me more because you're talking say, about. Oh, so this I'm is, talking about you. Gotcha. This is what I do in yeah, our marriage to right. you. Yeah. Now I did it a lot in the beginning of our marriage. I don't do it as frequently anymore. Yeah. But I will say, "Oh, they already said that," or "She just said that." I'll yeah. say, "Oh, she just said that." Now, will you say that in, in the moment, in front of them? I think I have. I have said I, that. I think you've done a. Mi- I think that's that's probably not cool to say it in the moment because then then right. I, I get embarrassed. Exactly. But many times you haven't. Later you'll pull me aside and then, then I'll be like, "What did I do wrong this time on that engagement?" You know. Right. And then you'll say, "Hey, you just." But your face is all bothered. You know, like it's the end of the world. Well, because I feel it embarrasses me because then yeah. I feel like you aren't listening to them. Why does that embarrass you? Well, because I feel like, well, why doesn't why isn't he listening? But like, again, why doesn't like, wh- he remember what they just said? So why why shouldn't that embarrass me and not you? I don't know. I guess I shouldn't. Well, there's probably a reason, right? That's what we should probably dig into. Like, is are you thinking this reflects bad on me because I chose him? I don't know if I would go that far. Yeah, okay, that's. I don't think it's that deep. Right, right. But it's um, what is it? I don't know. Maybe we should... I don't know. What is it like? What uh, is it? Hey, you know what? Oh. We have that psychology major listener. I shouldn't say that. My friend, Our friend Tammy, I should, she, she'd know. Well, maybe, yeah. People get, who've studied get, psychology, yeah. maybe they would know what... What do you say you, Tammy? What's going on there? Uh, what's going on? Yeah. Well, maybe we do feel like... Maybe I do feel like it reflects badly on me. Yeah. I don't know. I mean... Yeah, maybe we don't need to figure out why. Mm. Maybe, we, maybe you just have ground rules where... So, for example, if I'm teaching another class with a co-teacher, the rule is you don't mm-hmm. correct them. Right. I don't think you should ever correct your spouse. Well, so that's what I'm thinking. In like, front of other people. And so so what, what, what if we... like Afterwards, like I was sitting in the back of a class and one coach was teaching something and I'm sitting with another coach and I'm, I turn to her and goes, is this correct? She goes, no, but we can't say anything. Yeah. And then... And, and I've had, I've actually, yeah, so maybe you use the same rule mm-hmm. so as not to embarrass the person. Right. But I don't know, like, like, uh, like, is that fair either? So like if. Uh, maybe if you're friends with. Does it depend on the <clears throat> crowd? Are you, okay, so there's definitely, we shouldn't correct the other, the spouse in a situation. But then do you ever say anything to the other couple that you see it playing out with them? Let me get to that in a sec. I'm just because I'm wondering about my comment about correcting each other. Like if you're with another couple, you know really well. Yeah. Maybe it's not a big deal. You know, you think? Well, they could get pretty upset. I don't know. Oh no, I'm talking about within the marriage. So mm. just say you're out with another couple. Yeah. I, I ask a question, and it's obvious to everyone. I've just that that question was just answered, but I wasn't listening. Right. Um, and if you call it out, and they're like, and they get people giggle. Yeah, yeah. We just answered that. Did not listen. Depends on if you how close you are. Well, we with did. Other I did this, and yeah. I felt like <clears throat> I felt like the worst person in the world. Do you remember the night we were out with another couple, and you had you were leaning on your yeah, hand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Brian sometimes he he likes to rest his head in his hand. It's a heavy head. 
and he and it's not a flattering look for you right and it like scrunches up your whole face well you were bothered but they couldn't care less right right they could care less and i guess for me i was wanting you to look to look good good and not like so that what they like say? slouchy or whatever so what they say and i call, and i said something to you yeah. like not to do right, it right right and then it was this super awkward moment yeah cuz i felt they probably felt really uncomfortable yeah maybe i yeah. probably I made them thought, right, feel right. very uncomfortable cuz they're like what is she doing yeah telling brian not to yeah rest his hand his head yeah. in his hand like this yeah <laughs> and i was doing it because i felt like you looked it was very unflattering for but you they, they don't care i know but it just I'm like go- if i'm doing something that's super me your phone let me look at my let me look, look like at myself do it super since... unflattering i would like for you to tell me no i get it yeah sure that's because yeah. i don't want to be out in public and be presenting myself in a super unflattering way but maybe there's a trick though maybe there's a code yeah, I could see. I could see why that would be unflattering. <laughs> so Brian was looking at himself on the phone doing it just now. But anyway, What's and the then code? I that, realized, that... and I learned yeah. a huge lesson from that. Yeah. Number one, I will never ever do that again. Right. Because not only did I feel like it made you uncomfortable, it made them uncomfortable, and then it right. made me yeah look like a shit. Right. For doing it. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not. Yeah. So we, it was a it was a bad decision on my part. We were out somewhere. I you, should you have looked, told you later. You looked very unflattering, but I let it go. When? What did I do? Tell me. It was two years ago on St. Patrick's Day. Really? And now you're just telling me now, on St. Patrick's Day. Tell me. Well, you had this green thing on your head, and your hair was back, and your glasses were on. It just wasn't it wasn't working. At all. Sorry. I should have t- when should I have told you? And where did we go? Did we go downtown? St. Patrick's Day Parade. <laughs> I don't care. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> I remember that day. Amber Was Amberly here? You look better later. You let your hair down later. It was just the whole sequence was just not working at all. Well, actually, I think I, I was a- I think I was aware of that. Okay. And I was just Maybe going unfa- with the moment okay, you know, it's of pro- having it's unfair. the thing it's un- on. I get it. That's unfair because it was St. Patrick's Day where you're supposed to look a bit odd, right? Doesn't everyone look odd on St. Yeah, Patrick's yeah, Day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... but no, I remember that. I have actually have pictures of that. Was no, Amberly the pictures look good because you, the pit, you look good in the pictures. It was earlier the way you had. I'm sorry, it was probably unfair to bring it up. Did you just want to get me back? No, I was trying to give an example of where um, I think that was the opposite. Where I probably should have said something and pulled you but aside. But that's different. Then yet, that... but why didn't you tell me before we left the house? No, because I met you at the restaurant, and you turned up in the restaurant. I must have been with Amberly. Yeah, you were. You yeah. Mu- you, you, you mu- well, we you... bought those out. We bought those at... Uh... Anyway, it's okay. I wasn't, no, I wasn't trying wasn't, to get you back. Like, I wasn't trying to have a fashion day that day. I wasn't trying to get you back. I was trying to say where I, I said yeah. nothing at all for two years now. Right. Should have it's amazing you. how you like remember that. It is, yeah. Anyway, I have a good memory. Where were we? You do have a good memory. Uh, okay, so so the self. So let's talk about the self within the marriage. The self-correcting. Maybe we have. I don't know if you say nothing. Maybe there's a code. Maybe there's a. Maybe you have a conversation about. Maybe there's a conversation. Well, you don't have a code. Oh, hang on, interrupt me for a sec. 
Sorry. Maybe you have a conversation of, hey, these are things you do that irritate me in public. Okay, so let's give each other codes. Like, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to ask questions they've already answered. So if I do it, yeah, what's the code? Or if mm-hmm. I put my hand, head on my hand, what's the code? Maybe you do that. Oh, I know what I used to do Were you listening years there? ago. Yeah. Okay. That would annoy you. Well, number one, talking too loudly. You would get embarrassed, I think. Did you talk? I don't remember that. Oh. Or maybe talking too much. I don't know. I don't remember. Okay, so then if another couple, uh, uh, if another couple corrects each other and it's uncomfortable, what do you do? I don't really think you can do anything unless you're really close to them. Like if you have a close relationship with the guy, you could say something to the guy. I think you're right. I think if because it would with two couples, right? Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the dynamics, the guys might be closer, the girls might be closer. So maybe you're right. Maybe I think that's if you're friends with the like in my case, if I'm friends mm-hmm. with the guy, pull him aside and say, "Hey, um, I don't think whatever. I think that's fair." Yeah. I think I'd want that feedback. You know, it'd be hard, but. Depends on what you bothers you. Like if somebody's asking you questions, right? They they've already answered. Now, do you think it bothers that couple? No. I wonder how it it has to. What if right? what this uh, correction within the marriage? Yeah. The, yeah. When you think that would be bothersome, I would. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Because it even bothers me when you do that to me when it's just our family. And you don't want oh, me to. Yeah, yeah. You don't want me to talk about a certain topic, so you'll shut me down. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> because you don't, you don't want to go there, and so then that's very. Yeah. That's frustrating, even when there's no one, no one else around. Well, there is. There's the kids, right? Yeah, I and mean, you've done it when it's just the two of us too. Yeah. Silence. What else? Are we finished this topic? Or is yeah, it just... I think we're finished. I think there's nothing okay. more to say on this topic. And it's sick. Are we, should, are we finished? Finished? It's 30, 40 minutes. Should we get into difficult people? Speaking of difficult people, you want to get into that now? Yeah, let's talk about Let's difficult talk about difficult people. Because we wrote that down. Um, so I've had a... Should I start? By all means, Brian. When did you start? No, you go ahead. Because okay. you have something very specific you want to talk about. So I read this. So I've, I've had this difficult challenge in my work world um, where there's been, well, a sequence of difficult things I've been coming across, not just systemic difficulties that we would face. As, so I work as a transformation coach, agile coach. We come into environments and try to help um, create processes that will move the product faster with more quality and get in a more engaged workforce and all that stuff. And... The bigger the system, the more difficult it is. So you, you just get very challenged. But in, in all of those environments, there, there are people who are naysayers to the process you're bringing in. And um, so, yeah, so I've been facing a lot of personal challenges of how to deal with these difficult circumstances. And uh, I read a quote by a guy called Robert Keegan, but it's with one E. I think he lost one of the E's in Ellis Island. Because it should be K-E, but that's the size of points. Anyway, um, he said something like, I need good problems I don't, I don't seek to solve too quickly because when I solve a problem quickly, I am the same person coming out of it as I was going in. I need problems I can build a relationship to so I can use these problems to solve me instead of me trying to solve the problems. And I love that because yeah. what I'm realizing is the, the, problem, the biggest problem is actually in the mirror. It's me. 
because I was churning a lot on some of these problems and these problem people. And what I, I'm realizing, what I, what I do first of all is if I come across someone who's difficult, I'll, I'll project onto them a story that's not theirs. So for example, um, I will see patterns in them and I'll say, oh, I've seen this guy before in all these other engagements. There's always one. And then I create this fictional fantasy that I slap on them and that's not fair, first of all, because they are a unique individually, individual. Mm-hmm. And although there is patterns of human behavior and systems, I wish I, did, I, I would hit record instead of play on the projector. In other words, I wish I'd record their story instead of coming in and projecting onto them images from the past. Because I think that's mm-hmm. exactly what I'm doing. Are you projecting images from other people yes. and other situations onto them? Yeah, it's all my stories from the last, whatever, 30 years of engagement in work yeah. or life. And I project onto them, so they become someone else, which which is completely unfair. So what I think what I'm learning, so this problem, uh, so the problems I'm engaging with, is um, and like you know one individual specifically, um, and what I'm realizing is when you come across a problem person, many times that person makes me better. Yeah. I learn something about them. I end up usually being friends with them. Yeah. Like they're they're usually more abrasive, they're more abrupt, they're that they don't go along with the plan, and they become an enemy at first. And I think a lot of that's our primal instinct of "oh, you are the enemy." And if we don't get past that and realize that they are actual individuals with their own story, and if we don't try to understand that they have motivations, that they're really, I mean, I, maybe there are some people who come to work and want to want to mess everything up. But if if we if we at least start with somebody used to say assume positive intent of the other person. If we assume right, they have positive good. intent. Assume positive intent yeah. of another person. Yeah. No one ever assumes that of we anyone. Don't. But if in the we start with realm. that, what if we start and say that part that they're A plus right now? Yeah. But I think yeah, so I, I think it's it's um so as I so this has been a problem I've been churning on and as I I'm glad I'm staying with it. Because there's been thoughts of I want to quit this job, but I'm realizing if I quit, I'm just going to face it again. And that's because you've come across a couple of difficult people. People, yeah, in your yeah. work environment. And, and it's people, but it's also there's also processes too, and, and systems, a lot of systems, and it's overwhelming. But I think um, what I like about that quote is just that how much we can learn about ourselves in that process. Right. And if we don't, if the prop that we should look at the problem as an opportunity to solve something about ourselves. That's so the, what is it about these difficult people that gets at you? What what does it bring up inside of you? I think um, it well like it brings up inside of me. Oh, I'm gonna be weak. They're gonna be strong. Their personality stronger. Their arguments gonna be strong, and I'll look like an idiot because I don't have a counter argument right. for why we should do this. And what's funny is like the worst case scenario, which is. Hey, you're an agile coach coming in with a transformation plan, and we've decided it sucks and leave. Like that, never. I'm never afraid of that. Right. Do you realize though that just because someone has a strong, just because they present their argument or their opinion in a very strong manner, yeah. doesn't mean they're right. Correct. That's... Or doesn't mean that they also don't have something to learn. Yeah. No. Because I have people who are who have very strong personalities that I know, and it does make you feel sometimes like your opinion or it's like harder maybe to share your opinion yeah because now if you have two strong people they i think they can share their opinions more easily with one another because they're not intimidated by another strong personality really but i would think i would think, think two, so? i would imagine two strong personalities are more likely to have sparks flying really well maybe 
Whereas but, two easy personalities will will uh, will go back and forth probably and say, I would imagine two of the easier personalities are more would be like, well, let me, let me. How do you see it? You know. Well, I just feel like it makes me feel intimidated or not. I'm more scared to share what I believe because I feel like the comeback, that strong comeback is, it feels overwhelming to me instead of like a calm, right? Instead of just like a calm diet. Like if this guy, you, would you perceive this guy as a difficult person if he presented his argument in a different manner than the way he does? Um, like if he said, Brian, I want to sit down and have a conversation with you about this and tell me what oh, you no, think. Oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't seem a difficult person you, at all. So do you feel like it's the way he brings the argument to you um, that makes you perceive him as difficult? Yeah, and what, here's what's interesting, though. I've only had a digital re- uh, relationship with this individual, but uh, he lives in town, so I invited him for a beer. Yeah. And that was a game changer. Yeah. And I think that's the other part of this. If we can, like, You have to get to know the person. Like having it, like, you know, he orders some... Uh, food and he hands me a plate and then I'm seeing him talk and he's smiling and and is he smiling and it's the evening time and it's still sunny there's that gleam in his eye like that wet part of his eye yeah for some reason that stuck out mm-hmm. and like that softens your demeanor towards a person like it's it's hard to right dislike a person you're sitting across the table so so I was really glad we got to do that because we both got to know each other better and just you know and got to know so I I, I learned more about him i learned more about what motivates him and around his passions and i and by listening to his story and hitting record instead of project it was like oh i now every uh, what he's what he says that irritates me now makes sense because i know the under foundation of what's driving that right and i actually agree with the foundation he's standing on right it's the way he's speaking about the foundation that bothers me but i'm realizing we, we both want the same thing right so understanding a person is yeah. important. Yeah. Would you say? Oh yeah, understanding like what's, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's but what I, I find think that too. Only happens by listening. Well, true. Because if you don't, if someone is a, has a very strong personality and you don't invest the time to get to know them, then you don't know. You never know the full person. Right. And when you find out the full person, you find out there's a really cool, amazing person yeah. there. Nearly every time, I would say. You know what's also interesting was um, a friend of mine knew I was going to have that drink and I was going on about, oh, I'm going to explain about the importance of these processes and why we do them. And he goes, no, no, stop. He goes, mm-hmm. too much pressure for one meeting. He goes, just just go and, and get to know the person and build a relationship. Right, right. And that was great advice. Because even when after my, my second drink, I got a bit preachy and annoying, I thought, talking too much, you know. But, I, but the, you know, the first part was, was just a nice time to get, just to hang out and not have an agenda, but to get to know yeah. each other and stuff. But anyway, um, so I don't, yeah, I don't think I have much more to say that I can think. What do you want to say now? Well, I kind of wanted to talk about the other thing that that man was talking about yeah. in the video, because right. I watched the video you shared. Yeah. And he said something so profound. I'll put that on the link. There's something called the socialized. Is it called the socialized mind? Yeah. And then there's the self-authoring mind. And then he also says that the socialized mind is authored, whereas the latter one is authoring. You are authoring as, instead of being authored. Oh by... my gosh, that's so cool. So, okay. Yeah, there This was right very there. profound for me because I feel like most of my entire life... 
I have had a self-authored mind, meaning that other people and other systems were writing the script of my mind. So I think that's the... Then I think that will be the socialized mind. I have to go so back. The and... socialized mind. Yeah. So is that different than the self-authored and yeah. the self-authoring? Yeah. So the socialized mind is authored by an external. You are being authored by an external. Okay. So that but would have been my childhood. That's it. Yeah. And religion. Yeah. So the author, off... the self-authored, is where you're writing the story now. Does that make sense? Okay. So self-authored and self-authoring is the same. Yes. Okay. Thank yes. you for that clarification. Because I feel like. For most of my whole life, all the scripts that were running in my mind were coming from the way I grew up, the religion I grew up in, and then switching over to evangelicalism. And then evangelicalism spurs, or not spurs, that's the wrong word, uh, produces other forms of self-authoring, like what political party you begin to affiliate yourself with and different things that you start thinking about the world and how the world should look. So it's only been in the past few years that I feel like my mind has started. It's like the space shuttle. You know, when the shuttle takes off and first it like breaks off. Yeah. One thing breaks off and releases. Yeah. And then another thing breaks off and releases. I feel like my mind is becoming like the space shuttle. It's funny you use that analogy. But and, I don't, go ahead. I'm well, and I feel like thought. now that I am finally authoring my own mind. Yeah. And that I'm not letting, that I'm like casting off all of those things that have told me how I should think, what I should believe, what I should do, and how I should do it that I'm casting all those things off. It feels so good. And that now I am very wary. Yeah. I do not ever want to be dictated to again. But now here's but that but you're going to be lost in space, Bridget. You're I, floating away. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Cuz you mean cuz I'm not moored into Christianity. Those, th- those very boosters were there to help you find your way and you've detached and now you're going to go float out of the no, Milky Way I to feel a dark like zone. I've, I feel like I have found my way. Yeah. So, um, But anyway, I think yeah. that's profound because I feel like... And he said that very few people get to this point in their development. Yeah. Because he said we all go through... People used to think when studying psychology that your brain, your development stopped at a certain point when you became like an adult or whatever, then your, you know, your brain didn't form anymore. You weren't able to like change your perception of things anymore. Most people stay within that groove of having their religion, their political belief system, their view of everything dictated upon them. They are acted upon by the world they live in. And they don't even realize, we don't even realize it's happening to us. Yeah. Where you can't see outside of this bubble because everyone else is informing you and you're just buying all of the things that are informing you. But once you 
begin to realize there's another underlying logic that you possess that you can then, you don't have to anymore buy into these things, you know, and you can have your own thoughts in your own. And, and a lot of people probably think they are having their own thoughts, but I would argue that a lot of times you aren't. Yeah. You know, because you can't even, you can't even see it. It's like being in a cult. Yeah. When you're in a cult, you can't see that you're in a cult. Oh my gosh, this is something I wanted to say. I was listening to a QAnon person being interviewed. Yeah. And it was so amazing how they sounded like a religious zealot. Yeah. Or like a person in a cult. Right. Because like a person in a cult will say, they will rash, or not a cult, or even like, if so you're trying to rationalize your beliefs, it's like, oh, you know, so-and-so said, like the Jehovah Witness group, they used to predict the second coming of Christ. And they were always wrong. And they would always predict it wrong. And then they would rationalize why it didn't happen. Or they explain why it didn't happen. And they would say, oh, well, you still have to have faith. And it's all going to work out. And everything happens for a reason. These QAnon people, when Trump didn't do what QAnon was telling them that was supposed to happen. Right. And that martial law was going to be declared. And yeah. Trump was going to reveal this pedophile ring. Yeah. They sounded exactly like... Well, like the people... Hold on. Oh. Like religious people. They were saying, well, we just got to hang on to the plan. Yeah. Just got to have faith. You know, well, we must have misunderstood it. Yeah. Just people say, well, we must have misunderstood the signs. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Well, and the, This is a new cult, a new religious cult. But you're connecting that, and he connects it in that podcast too, the people who give a date to when Jesus is coming back and they keep right. missing the date. Right. So then they have to they have to work their way. The story has to right. be their changed. Mi- yes. Yeah, so their mind has to massage all these things and all these pseudo you gotta shoehorn a few pretend facts. Yeah. And you you and that's what people have to do with their faith all the time. They have to explain to themselves. I know I'm kind of going on a tangent, but like explain to themselves why this doesn't make sense or that doesn't make sense. And it's just, I'm just so glad I don't have to do that anymore. So like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Is it scary though? The cell. So you're writing your own script. What What if you get it wrong? Do you ever? Is there well, fear around that? Well, of course you that? can. Yeah. Because the mind, the mind can be written upon. Yeah. I mean, I can write upon my mind, like literally. Yeah. When you have a belief system, there are actual patterns in your brain that get carved out. And that's a fact. That's a scientific fact. And so that's why I think it's so important to listen to arguments on all sides of right. everything. Yeah. And to read everything. And a lot of people aren't open to doing that. They're like, no, I only want to hear what this person has to say. I only believe this. I only believe that. But if you do that, you run the risk of believing one thing only and having that run the script of your mind, and if that is turns out to be incorrect, well, maybe you'll never know it was incorrect, but I just don't think it's very healthy. But if you, if you allow yourself the freedom to say, okay, I am going to listen and be open to hearing about this thing, this thing, this thing, and that thing, why are we afraid to do that? Because it's uncomfortable. 
because you you need um I, I would imagine the human brain needs some level of comfort and lack of stress to, to have oh, a story to have a story yes. that's comfortable if there's a conflicting story and you, there's something of yours that you're going to lose something right it's scary because even if the conflicting story makes more sense and seems more logical and true that's an uncomfortable thing to deal with and and the question is what what am i losing here if i accept this right. story well and the thing and, is, and, is and I if think... you think you're losing your soul that's a huge scary thing well, so and like, it's not just you know, religion too right. it's all it can be all kinds of things right you know i mean well like are you, are you losing your country are you losing your livelihood are you right. you're losing something that's comfortable right right so were you going to say yeah, yeah well i was going to say too there's a bias too that is within all of us and it's called a self-confirming i forget what it is basically you don't want you're kind of incapable of believing something opposite of what you already believe yeah you your mind your psychology makes you only want to believe and believe the things you already believe so if someone does present you with something that's in opposition or different um you are going to it's not going to make any sense to you and you are just going to want to reject it yeah. anyway because that is what your brain is telling you to do and you can't help it yeah so you have to fight against that and say okay let me look at that yeah like i my sister used to send me jehovah witness literature all the time and you know i really didn't want to read it but i did yeah i read all of it like i read everything she would send me and i would study it i would look up all the scriptures because I'm thinking, well, if what I believe is true, yeah. then it doesn't matter if I read what she sends me because it's not going to change anything. And it didn't change anything. And it didn't convert me to her way of believing. But I found out there was no fear. There was no danger. Yeah, I'm going to cut you off there. Well, no, I just think like I did. And it's like if I sit down and I watch listen to a person from this news channel as opposed to that news channel and they have completely different views of the world why should i be i feel like i'll learn more yeah about someone on the on a different wavelength than than i'm on yeah and then you can i think it brings a better understanding of one another yeah instead of like an us against them it's like how what do we how can we understand one another and why do you think the way you think as opposed to the way i think yeah. you know and usually when you get to learn those things it makes sense or somewhat of sense you're like oh okay i i can kind of understand that or i do understand that yeah <clears throat> um I, at the end of my seminary time i was writing a paper um taking an apologetics class uh-huh. it used to be called philosophy which i, I wish they wish they had kept that term because that it's important for seminarians to know philosophy mm-hmm. especially over the last 400 500 years but um they uh they changed it from philosophy to defending the christian faith yeah which looking back was a bad title and, and yeah. i would even argue that the that the professor who founded that division probably would have preferred philosophy you know anyway but it, you know defending the christian faith just feels like it, it, it's not a good term it's like 
how you how you would do that is actually to go out and understand the other um, ideas that are out there. Yeah. Which they did, but usually so okay. Well, right, the, I'm, he, I'm, that department does do that. Yeah. So and to be to be fair, they do. Yeah, they do. They do look at other. Um, they do hit on. They do like a highlight of each yeah. major world religion. So, but it was during that time I was writing a book on. Um, I was writing a paper. I mean, on um, something in that division of um, evolution, or what would we call it? Intelligent design probably was what it was about. Yeah. Anyway, so Richard Dawkins kept getting quoted, and his book, uh, The God Delusion, wasn't in the library. Mm-hmm. Which, looking back, I think it could, it should have been. They, as a seminary, are you sure it wasn't in there? Did you look for it? Okay, I did. But which I don't know. If, but as 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 a as evangelical seminaries would go, they did have some stuff in there. Like they said, you know, one was how to be why I'm a Catholic. Like I was, I was mm-hmm. impressed that they were they weren't trying to seal us off from the outside world. There was other books that so Dawkins wasn't there, so I went and bought it. But I had a lot of fear buying that book. Mm-hmm. What if it turns me into an atheist? I ended up reading it and really enjoying it. Because it was, it was, he was, because my, it was intellectual, it was an intellectual wrestle where it's like, he would make an argument and I'd say, that's an interesting argument. I hadn't thought of that. He'd make another argument. It's like, I, I think I can, I think I could, I could beat you on that argument if mm-hmm. I had you in the room. I probably wouldn't. He's a smart guy, but like he made statements. It's like, you know, is Jesus even, was he even a historical figure? It's like, yeah, he was. Cause there's plenty of evidence outside the mm-hmm. Bible that he was. So he'd make these kind of statements flippantly. Yeah. And I'd make a bunch of notes. Right. But I probably, I I engaged with that book more than other books that would have been in my echo chamber. Right. So like this fear I had for a few weeks about reading it really went away once I engaged with it. And the same with like Richard, right. uh, uh, Christopher Hitchens, God is Not Great. Like that's a, also a very engaging book. That's, yeah. That, that, that for me, I, I enjoyed a lot. And I think there shouldn't be that fear. The other level for the way my perspective is, um, like, like, how God, God must be pretty small if me reading that book's going to take me off the edge. Right, right. So, we, anyway. Well, there's so much fear because belief has been, Christianity is all based on one thing, and that's what you believe. What you believe about Jesus, how you believe it, how you profess it, your whole eternal salvation is wrapped up in that one thing. And I, if you I would get disagree your belief, with that statement. That's somewhat true. Not all Christianity, much, but mo- most of Christianity. But much of it is based is based on activities and actions that mirror Jesus' actions. But no, the gr- I'm talking but the about group, the crux. But I'm talking about of Christianity, the, the group, which is your eternal salvation. The group that you're talking about would 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 be critiquing the very other group I'm talking about that it's based on you're your actions about and what you do. People? Catholic, liberal, Protestants would be viewed. And I mean, yeah, I mean, but Catholicism, both of oh. faith and works. Yeah, I, I get it. Well, and here's the other thing. Like, one of my friends was sharing with me, and this person really enjoys doing quiet time. Yeah. And there were times, and what quiet time is, you guys, is this like when you're when you're evangelical Christian, you are always uh, encouraged to read the Bible every day and pray every day. And those aren't bad things. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but... For me, that was always like a major burden for years and years because it was almost like a barometer of like how you're going to be as a Christian. And it was like a chore. And there were, there were, there were 
times in my life where I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I just realized when she shared with me that she was going to have her quiet time, which I know for her, she doesn't see it as a chore. She sees it as a joy. She loves it. We're very different people in that aspect. But it just reminded me that I am so glad that I don't wake up every morning thinking about quiet time. I feel such a relief. What percentage of the time did it feel like a chore? Nearly always. Now, let me ask you a question. Uh, Working out's a chore, but But you you feel better in the end. Would you say, because the argument would be, well, you'd need to have your quiet time. That's your spiritual discipline to get you ready to get a healthy spiritual life. Yeah. But you didn't see it it that way. Well, working out was different. Even though working out can feel like a chore, there's been a lot of times that working out has not felt like a chore. Yeah. It has felt like a blessing. Right. And it's felt like something very good for me. But working out is not tied to my acceptance by a deity yeah, or to how that deity views me or to how good or bad I am going to be. I don't have spiritual ties to working out. Whereas quiet time was always like, oh my gosh, you know, I got to do this and I got to like, because people, Christians would bring it up all the yeah, time. Yeah. How's your quiet time? They say, right. how's your quiet time? If you're struggling with something, how's your quiet time? Uh, How is your quiet time? Yeah. Or I'd be in small groups. Well, I haven't had quiet time in a while. Right. I haven't. Well, I haven't read the Bible in two weeks. I had a meeting. Or, oh, I, and I haven't prayed well i pray a little bit but like you know i felt like oh my god i gotta be like on my face praying that's interesting i don't and i'm so glad let me just say it yeah thank god yeah i don't have quiet time anymore yeah and that i don't have to think about it and i just wake up and i enjoy my mornings and i love them yeah um speaking of quiet so i i as i as i not necessarily had my quiet time um, what I'm realizing is that there's, I, th- I think that for me, it is an advantage that what I like about quiet time is I'll do writing, right? Yeah. So there's more freedom in what I do in that morning. I do like the idea of, um, of waking up and having time, right? Spent mm-hmm. well and spent well means I could reflect on the day ahead or the day behind and write some stuff or read something. But like, if I start reading the news, mm-hmm. I got to not do that. So in other words, right, right. I think it is important what you're taking in during those times. Um, but that's very different than yeah. quiet time because you you're just having your time. Yeah. You know, but I think I feel like quiet time is a talk can be a very toxic time too. Yeah. Christian quiet time. Yeah. Because like when you're reading the Bible or you're reading like these books, like um, what are they called? Devotionals. And it's always like, you know, you're always, you know, in a lot of them, you're always being admonished like to do better. And what are your what are you thinking and what are you saying and what are you doing? Like it's this constant self reflection of yeah. you know I mean because you can always improve upon something. Right. But when you're tying it to your eternal salvation and your acceptance by a deity, like it's so heavy. But in fairness though, the uh, but and so it's it can be toxic. I think it was toxic. But you did. Did you really think that your quiet time was tied to your eternal salvation? 
No, I didn't feel like it, it was going to make me lose my salvation. Right. Well, for some people, it, it is tied, depending but, but, on what but for faith. You, you, in, the, in the early part of your first half of your life, it might have been. But the second right. half, half of your life, of that Christian journey, that theology would never have equated your quiet time with your salvation. Right, it but have, it, would have been it, it would have been equated with the health of your soul. I, the health of my soul. Right. It was also tied to being a quality Christian. Yes. Because you get more points for yeah. your quiet time. Right. In your social, your Christian social circles. Like, yeah. Oh, she's so like, especially because you would look at the women in the church and be like, oh, she's so close to God. She's so spiritual. She's a godly woman. She's a godly woman. Yeah. She has her quiet time. And Do you, uh, she's so spiritual. Can I just... That makes me want to puke. Can I squirrel for one second and we'll go yes. back to the to anchor to get us back? We'll be godly, godly woman. When I first met you, you gave me a hard time about something. Probably quiet time. No, no, no. You're giving me a hard time about some personality trait. And I said to you, I said, well, I've heard from a guy that some women at that this church think I'm a godly man. And you said, well, they don't know you. What? <laughs> I don't remember that at all. I... But that was That's true. Terrible. They didn't know See me. how holy and pompous I was? No, that was a great That's statement. That's so shitty. No, Did was... you see how arrogant I I was? I didn't see it that way. Oh my God. Well, That's on, because we were in a Christian circle and we thought that no, was overthinking it. normal. No, here's what I... Here's, my, here's how I saw that. We were dating and we'd been dating for eight months. That's disgusting now, okay, that I said that to okay, you. Okay, calm down. I apologize. You don't know me in a pot. Can I explain what? What? Like, let me explain. No, it. you can explain, but I just okay. think that behavior all right, on all right. my part can I was talk now? Yeah. not good. No, my point is that they didn't. They didn't know me that well. They had this perception of me, and they probably they didn't know me. You had known me for six to eight months. That's no. You're giving me. You were giving me a hard time. Now listen. Maybe come on. You were I, amazing. I, I, yes. 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 You were amazing. I nitpicked you. You did on our first and date. And why? Because of Christianity, I nitpicked you. Okay, let's back. Can we let's back up for a sec? Okay, because I think you're. I think you're. I think you're attacking a straw man here. So, one step at a time. Okay. But where did I get that mindset to nitpick you? Okay. Go ahead. Wait. Sorry. Um, I don't even know what it was you were giving me a hard time about. Your whole point was they see you in a certain light. But I know you, and I and and it's not that you were, uh, you were saying. It's not that you were saying I'm not a godly man. I think what you were saying is you're not as perfect as they think you are. And that could be true. Okay, but to your second point, were you too hard on me? Yes. Yes, I think you were. Yes, I was. Like on our first date, you were a bit of an ass. Yes, I was. And, you and were, I and got I sh- that I probably from... should have left. Well, you were pretty good. Hot well, I, I think part, part of it I got from being shallow. Yes. It came from be- me being shallow. Yeah. And number two, it came from this arrogance that exists amongst... Well, people of all religions do it. You yeah. look down. I mean, look at the Puritans. Yeah. You know, religion causes you to do a lot of bad things and yeah. a lot of good things too, but a lot of bad things. And what my religion caused me to do to you was to nitpick you because I had to find a holy, godly man who looked and acted a certain way. Oh, I see. So I was projecting those things on you just yeah. as I projected them onto myself. That I had to do A, B, and C in order to be a good Christian. I took those things and projected them on you. And then even onto our marriage. 
Because remember when we first got married, I wanted to have quiet time together. Yeah. And you didn't want to. Right. And in my mind, that's what a good Christian couple did. Right. Is they prayed together and they had quiet time together. Yeah. Because that's what, you know, when you see the cool Christian couples. Yeah. Who they're, do they're sitting that, around the Bible. That's the extra kids. point. You get extra points for that too. Right, right. So basically I was taking and those are that those things are toxic. Because you're being it was causing me to judge you and to be to judge you unfairly. Because if I look back at our dating relationship, I can't think of anything that you did wrong. What were you I mean, giving no me a hard one's time? perfect. Do you remember on our first date what you were giving me shit about? Well, because you, I think it was just because you are a bit of a, an embellisher. Or no, you, no, no. You didn't it know. It wasn't that. You weren't aware of it at that. Oh, you might have been. Hang on, hang on. I don't, I think I was oh, just. Oh, no, you were aware of the embellishment problem by our first date because we had, we had uh, or were you? I don't think you were. You were something about, you made some comment like, I think you're insecure. It's like, who's not? It was something around that. Yeah, I was just a total witch. I, I still paid for the check. Yeah. Not to make you feel worse, but you looked really good. So I said, well, let's give it a second shot. And then you got nicer. Yeah, well. And then well, we became Good friends. for you for hanging yes, in there. and good for me. But you, you have to realize, though, that my, that I was shallow. And yeah. that I was trying to be this overly godly woman yeah. who was looking for the overly godly man yeah. because I had to get it right. What do you think godly man and godly woman means or meant back then? How would you well, define back then it? it meant, you know, that you didn't say bad words and you didn't have lustful thoughts and you didn't look at pornography. Yeah. And you didn't lie, cheat, steal, that you had your quiet time every day. Did it mean a man who was gung ho about an initiative, Say, an initiative like um, Black Lives Matter? Would that would that have been a godly man? Back then, Black Lives Matter. I'm just saying. Didn't that, what exist. was the, what was the well, an equivalent back then? Would that have been a godly man? Well, there man? were no equivalents because social justice was not a part of that, that's from evangelicalism trying, that's from, well, that's back then. That's what I'm trying then. to go. Like, was there? It would did have we been no. Any, it would have been who serves in the church, who's on the hospitality team. Were Were there any godly men or women who? We would have given that label to because they were working downtown with the homeless in a secular, I don't know. No, we would have said that was a very good secular person, but they were still missing the boat because they didn't know Jesus. Well, I'm thinking about some, if like, was there anyone in the church who, who did just great things that reflected the heart of Christ? And That would have been a godly person. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, what you... if they didn't have their quiet time and they were like, "Oh, effing this and that, I'm helping these effing homeless people, and I'm getting them out of, I'm getting them out of poverty." Well, then and that would not have jobs. been a that would have been a godly person. That would have been a person doing good things, good things but, but wasn't a... a godly person. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. But they still weren't godly. Right. Because even the Bible says that whatever things we do, even they could be the most the best thing in the world, they're like filthy rags to God. Because that's how gross we are to him. What's the antidote? Did it, does that scripture give the antidote? Well, it says our righteousness, like it's the like, things yeah, yeah, that yeah. is like filthy rags, which I hate so, that scripture. And the, but the righteousness, we there's a righteousness through Jesus that we receive, right? That's what it says in the other New that's Testament. such shit. Jeez. Really? You think so? Yeah, it is. Because it's like a, it's like a, you say a magical prayer and then now all of a sudden 
you're covered up with some like magic potion that then, you know, this magic potion of Jesus covers you up and turns you into some kind of angelic being that now when you do something, Jesus looks at and he doesn't have to look at your disgustingness. Yeah. God sees his son over you. So he doesn't have to be disgusted by what's behind that. Right. And then he just sees himself, his son. Yeah. And then now he can go on with his normal day-to-day activity because he doesn't have to see your nastiness. Here's my here's my challenge to to your argument. What you're talking about is true and that mindset, that argument you just gave is very prevalent in the parts of Christianity we've been in for the 25 years we've been together. But it doesn't, it's not indicative, is the word indicative, indicative. Of, the, of the holistic Christian uh, uh, ideas. So I think right. what, there are you, a lot of what other you're doing is Christians atta- who don't you're attacking have that mindset. the entire body of Christianity no, 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 with no, a I'm mindset not. That's, I'm all, not. that's only in a part of it. No, I'm not, uh, yeah. because I'm just not. Let me give a clarification. Yeah. I am not attacking all of Christianity and all sects of Christianity because they don't all do that. Right. There is a certain sect that does it, though. Right. So I grew up in the United Pentecostal Church. They definitely do that. And then also evangelicalism. A lot of evangelicalism also does that. Right. Not all of it. But parts of it. So the so the, I am not. If I have offended anyone, I apologize. I am not attacking all of Christianity because yeah. there's some good in Christianity. Well, here's just where like I, there's yeah. some good in a lot of things. Here's where where I when I met when I mm. uh, I became. Let me go. Well, I've said this before. So I did do the Jesus magical prayer, and it felt quite magical because something did shift inside of me, and I think there was, and it did become. And I entered into a, uh, uh, a community that I think did help me in certain areas. But then to go back to your um, space shuttle analogy, I wonder if like the, the, the boosters are to get us to a certain place, but we have to detach for the next evolution of our growth. And if we don't detach, the very boosters that were supposed to get us there become weigh us down. Right. Now, so... But there is that scary thing, like okay, well, what's next, you know? So, and to me, it's like I, I'm just saying, like I think there was. I'm not saying Christianity were the boosters. To me, sections of Christianity were those boosters, and now what's what's next? But my point I'm trying to make is, and now I think I've I've completely forgot. I wish I hadn't gone off on a tangent. Now, what were we just talking about? The um, oh oh that section you're talking about of the righteousness is is applied to us. Um. The stories that go behind some of that mindset you're talking about is, and the analogies that were given were the following. Jesus is like a mask that is on us, and God no longer sees us. And when we go to heaven, he doesn't see us. He sees Christ, who's applied to well, us. Well, in heaven... Well, let me finish that for a second. Sorry. And I've always thought, and I said this before, that feels like we're tricking God. And if the mask falls off, he's going to respond to us like the woman did with the Phantom of the Opera when his mask fell off and said, get him out of here. You know what well, I'm saying? This is how he responded. Wasn't, wasn't that a good analogy? You've heard it before, though. Well, I did, feel you, like... Were you listening to that? I did. No, never mind. Okay. The way he responded to us, yeah. to humanity, was by murdering his own son. Okay. Can we get back to that? Because I have another analogy I want to talk about from that mindset. Uh, the other analogy was... Seemingly, Martin Luther said this, that we are a pile of shit. He said shit? 
or dung? First what did of all, he first say? dung. Did I? Did, did I? I just crossed I just the line on our podcast. I just wanted to know if you had quoted him. He, he probably he would have said shit because he was quoted oh, he as t- okay. telling someone to take a shit in their pants and hang it around their neck, and he said the German word for shit. Okay. Potty mouth, Martin Luther. Not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther. Okay. Seemingly, he said this. We don't know if he said it. It doesn't matter because it's because people believe he said it, and it's made its way into the evangelical church. And that is, we are a pile of dung. But God looks out the window and he sees all the snow and he can't see the pile of dung. And that snow is Jesus that's been covering our pile of dung. And here's the problem. That's, that's what people say. Here's the problem. If God goes for a walk in the snow, he's going to figure it out pretty fast who we really are. Well, obviously he and knows sa- who we really are. It's basically saying we're a pile of dung. And what I'm saying is that mindset, can, I think, messes with your psyche. For it exa- totally so does. I talked to a priest a year after I became an evangelical a Catholic priest, and he said, we see it differently. We are a gold coin. We've always been a gold coin because yeah. we were made in God's image. Yes, we've been tarnished, but that can be removed. A gold coin that's tarnished is very different than a pile of shite. Exactly. And that's that's why, that's why I'm shite. trying to argue with you about that when you take just that mindset and apply it to all Christianity, that's not fair. Well, no, and I'm not applying it to all of okay. Christianity. Okay, but back, so back so, to your point. Even though it did sound like I was. Yeah. But, I mean, in Christianity, it does tell you that you're made new. Yeah. But the message in Christianity in certain sects is one of a double message. Yeah. The message of you being unworthy and you don't deserve anything. Yeah. And that your righteousness is filthy rags, but yet you're loved and you're cherished and you're covered yeah. in the blood and you're all these things. Yeah. And so your mind is trying to put these two together. Yeah. And they don't go together. Yeah. Whereas the gold coin, that is more of an accurate picture of what it is to be a human. You're right. Because as a human, we are we are all flawed. Yeah. But we're not piles of shit. Yeah. But we're all we are a tarnished coin. Now some of us probably get to the level of a pile of shit, but most of us. We, but see, well, I, but see, I, I don't agree. I st- well, I, I'm I, talking about people like Hitler. I or think Hitler. Like I think that. I, st- I think Hitler was a gold coin that was terribly tarnished. Because if you're gonna follow the doctrine, you gotta you gotta follow it all the way back, and you gotta if we are made in the image of God, He was too, as was Osama bin Laden, but something went terribly south. Where I mean, maybe the well, kind of sure, maybe it's so tarnished you can't Hitler even see the gold. Hitler and Osama bin Laden were both little boys, yeah, who were probably playing in the dirt or wherever they were playing or whatever toys they had, and they were just little kids. Yeah. Now maybe they're mentally ill. Yeah. There's an argument to be made for that, but they were both. And I do think people can be evil, but then also people can be indoctrinated. And their brains, they can be indoctrinated to become evil and commit evil acts. You kind of comes from, back to your, your, your mind thing that we started with. Exactly, from yeah. indoctrination. Indoctrination yeah. is a socialized mind. Yeah. And that's what parents, parents do this. We do this to our children. We don't even know we're doing it. We socialize their minds and whatever belief system we have. What time is your workout? Sorry. My workout is at 8 a.m. What time 720. is it? 7.20. Okay. We should shut it down. Should we? It's uh, an hour 23. Okay. Okay. Well, you, you guys. split it in half or just send it as no, is? No, just send it Ship as it. is. Okay. So, guys, I'm sorry to anyone if I offended you with my 
harsh words, but this is where I am today, and I'm not going to apologize for where I am. Right. But hopefully I didn't hurt anyone's feelings. Well, if you did, they just stopped listening. They have the, it's the First Amendment, right? So... But you know, it's not about the First Amendment. You just you do you wouldn't want. I think what you're saying is, you wouldn't want to this strain is my a friend, journey. Stra- strain a friendship is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, this is just my journey that I am on. Yeah, and uh, and I'm the antagonizer. <clears throat> I like the rest. This was one of the funnest ones we've had. Oh, I'm glad you felt so. Because I felt uh, like I think it's good to play the devil's advocate. You know. No, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, everybody have a wonderful week. See you See later. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.